0: Today on the Zabe Cast, oh for the love of God, why do some of the highest-paid coaches with the winningest records bitch and moan the most when it comes to a single loss? I say that's enough. Week thirteen in the NFL, the kaleidoscope continues to turn. Plus, college football playoff picture, crazy Uncle Joe, and Ricky Vaughn's hat. Your bonus dose of Daily Me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Here we go. They set out the field goal unit. Hawk, the punter, takes the snap. And then the toss
1: a the end zone for the touchdown to the place kicker, Come Jason on. Sanders. Come on.
0: Come on, indeed. Monday, December 2nd, 2019. Thank you for downloading How About That, Mr. Fung. As the saying goes, the Miami Dolphins with a trick play for the Agers punter. Ages punter to kicker touchdown on fourth and goal. Hell, when you are what two wins, two wins on the year, you're playing the Eagles. Why not? Why not? Fourth and goal, you're down thirteen to seven. Ryan Fitzpatrick is running your team, Stewbeard, Beard, as uh, my friend Charge calls him. Our friend Charge calls him. Those classic uniforms that. Every day and every game the Dolphins do not wear those classic uniforms with those classic logo with the classic logo on the helmet is an affront to humanity. It really is. It's a disgrace. Okay. We've got a lot to talk about today, not just the Eagles going down in flames, but what a shit show the NFC East is. Dallas at 6 and 6 is still your leader. Philly at 5 and 7 is sinking fast. The Redskins at 3-9 and nine are suddenly the, the hottest team in the division, and the Giants at 2-10 and 10 are absolutely terrible. You know, the Redskins, if they if they shock the Packers, they got two winnable games against the Giants and the Eagles. Oh, would you stop already? Hey, I'm just saying. The big one is coming up on Sunday in Green Bay, and then two winnable games at home. I'm just... Six and nine to finish out the year. They'd be playing Dallas to go to seven and nine to even the series. Could Dallas finish one and three themselves? Sure. Why not? Anything can happen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Redskins making the play? Scenarios. (laughs) All right. Headlines in week 13. Just I'm going to quickly go through these. Uh, We'll dig more into it tomorrow on the Zabecast. I got a lot of college football i got to talk about it and a lot of sound today as well. So I hope you don't mind sound. And I'm a, I also have to get out of here in a half an hour. I, I've got to get these things down to 30 minutes tight or thereabouts. It's not that I don't love you people. I do. It's just I've got to manage, 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 manage my life and my time and my efforts and everything else. That's all. But we'll make the most of it here for 30-plus minutes. You know I'm going to go long anyway. Okay, let's get to it. Ravens gut the Niners. On a Justin Tucker game winner from thirty or from forty nine yards out, it should be the stat of the day. But I don't have the music handy. Nice prep work. Okay, shut up. All right, I want to hear it. Um, he has made now Justin Tucker thirty eight consecutive fourth quarter field goals. That is crazy, bonkers, amazing. Everyone talks about Vinatieri as the greatest modern kicker of all time, maybe the greatest kicker of all time, period. I don't know. I think Justin Tucker, when it's all said and done, I think he's better. Bigger leg. It's just Tucker has never hit the big show pony kicks like the ones Vinatieri hit to win a couple Super Bowls and, of course, the kick in the infamous snowball. So there's that. Uh, the Bengals shall not be winless. The Jets are back to sucking as Cincinnati wins which was a prime opportunity for the bottom feeders, namely the Dolphins and the Redskins and the Giants, to uh, make up some ground. The Giants did by losing, but the Redskins and Dolphins did not. Uh, the Packers bounced back against those same Giants, and they were just flat-out terrible, and Shermer should get fired. The Eagles, we said laid an egg in Miami. I cannot wait to hear snippets of sports radio in Philly on Monday. Uh, the Steelers get revenge on the Browns. There was a whole t-shirt controversy because Freddie Kitchens, uh, I'm, ma'am, I'm just here to replace this water heater of yours. I'll get I'll get this right out anytime now. Wore a t-shirt that said, Pittsburgh started it. Nyeh, nyeh. Pittsburgh started it. What has this league become? I thought this used to be a league of men. And you're wearing t-shirts now with these kind of childish expressions? Pittsburgh started it. Somebody mocked up a T-shirt. I don't think it was actually for sale. Maybe it is. That said, and the Steelers finished it. Yeah, because they beat the Browns. Baker Mayfield hurt his thumb on a pass. Excuse my voice. Not a good sign. When uh, the very first thing of the week I'm doing uh, shows a cracking voice, but uh, Baker Mayfield injured his thumb, came back to play in the game, on a follow-through knock on a helmet. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often all the time. But the Steelers are a hell of a story having started 1-4 and and now look at where they're at. Six of the last seven, I believe, as they are very much in the playoffs if they were to begin today. The Titans break it open against the Colts with a blocked field goal for a touchdown. Minshew Mania is back in Jacksonville, but guess what? The Jaguars still suck. Nick Foles is terrible. Minshew's not much better. Tampa wins that game. The Rams demolished the Cardinals. The Broncos clipped the Chargers on what I thought was a totally BS pass interference call. Others disagree, including Alberto Riveron. And the Redskins fell behind 14-0 and then proceeded to dominate the living shit out of the Carolina Panthers in every facet of the game, mostly running the ball and stopping the run. The Redskins had nearly 250 yards rushing, I believe, Almost had 200 yard rushers. Geis went off for a buck 40 or something like that, and Peterson had 99. Geis with a couple of spectacular runs, a spectacular stiff arm that you have to see to believe. It left a dent with the defender where he got shoved into the ground uh, at, at the game. And then you had Christian McCaffrey, 14 carries for 44 yards. You would have to go back and look at his profile of games to find another team that did a better job on him. It was absolutely amazing. And, of course, now Redskin fans are going to start sniffing delusions of grandeur. We're close. See? This is good. It's not far away. Josh Norman, by the way, didn't play, and neither did Ryan Kerrigan, whose consecutive games played streak snapped at like 153. Oh, did you know, by the way? was it 153 that many? 139, something like that. Uh, Kerrigan, who's in the concussion protocol – had his face mask bent last week on a, not a crackback block, but I believe this is what Cooley once taught, it was called a sift block, by tight end Logan Thomas of the Lions. You know, the former quarterback at Virginia Tech turned tight end, he crunched into Kerrigan and did it legally, where he didn't leave with his helmet, but just the sheer weight of his body, with Kerrigan not l- really looking at the block coming, bent Kerrigan's steel face mask. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Josh Norman didn't play. He was seen sitting on the Panthers bench in Redskins gear in pregame warmups. What a douche. And the Patriots and Texans was too late for this edition. More on the NFL tomorrow, especially with Andy Pollan. All right. Let's get to the college football. Your headline of the weekend was Ohio State crushes Michigan. They overcame a scare with a knee tweak to quarterback Justin Fields. He came back to play, and they were just dominant in every way possible. Afterwards, Jim Harbaugh, I know I like to call him Jimmy Hardpaw, for his infamous handshake against Jim Schwartz of the Lions from back in the day. Jim Harbaugh was having none of your narratives in the media. Is this a talent
1: gap? Is it a preparation gap? Is it a coaching gap? What is the biggest difference between you and Ohio State at this point? I mean, I'll answer your questions, not your insults, so. That wasn't an insult. I mean,
0: you give them 118 points in two years. They played
1: really good. They played good. That's why I'm asking. What's the biggest difference in the gap, Katie, I think? They played better today. Yeah, Jim, I guess just to follow up on that, moving forward, uh, what are the areas where, where you feel like your program Okay. We'll um, we'll regroup and and come back and play our our next game. Um, regroup and retool.
0: <laughs> Get the guys
1: back. Uh, prepare for our next ball game.
0: Okay, who was wrong here? The douchebag reporter or Harbaugh for being a snippy little bitch? I sort of side with Harbaugh because this. And while it was a question. It was clearly a question question that was dripping in and dipped with sarcasm, condescension, and it was a narrative question that if you answered it straight up legitimately, you had to buy into the narrative that there is a gap between the two programs. There may well be a gap. I think it does look like there is a gap. I don't follow recruiting enough. Somebody who does can point out the number of five stars versus four stars four-stars versus three-stars, best quarterbacks, second-tier quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't follow recruiting that close. I would guess there is a gap. Is there a coaching gap? Gap, um, Maybe, probably, I think. Is it just Harbaugh versus Ryan Day? I don't know. But the whole notion that there's a gap, you know, there's a gap right now or it might just be a streak. Tough to say. But the reporter was a bit of a douchebag, and I can understand why Harbaugh is not going to answer that. Harbaugh is not going to play into that narrative like, well, we have to get better players. Oh, Jim Harbaugh throws team under bus. There's the headline. Or, you know what? I didn't have him prepared today. That's on me. Ah, oh, Harbaugh admits I wasn't prepared. He's not going to answer that question, but good try. Meanwhile, there was this. You know, this is a big rivalry, and so somebody had asked the question, and he seemed to be serious in asking it, so do you really want to win this game? Um, Jim, I know you're a
1: competitor. I I know you want to win every game, uh, but this is a game you haven't won yet. How much does that affect you, and how badly do you want to win this eventually? I thought our team was well-prepared. I thought they were playing good football. (laughs) I thought um...
0: (laughs) the reporter clearly wanted Harbaugh. To give him that juicy quote of "This tears my guts out. I can't sleep at night. The next 364 days until the next big game against these sons of guns to the south is going to consume my every waking minute." But he didn't want to give it to him. I get yeah, it.
1: But, um, it was a good football fight. We um, and um, you know got away. It got away from us today. You know they played. Give them credit for playing well, and uh, pretty much thoroughly went through, you know, how I saw the the game unfold.
0: Now here's where it comes. This this is just this is why I sometimes this next question is why I oftentimes think, what am I doing in this profession? What am I dedicating my life to? If these are the questions that my endeavor, my my profession, if this is a profession, it's probably not a profession. It's just a it's a hobby. It's a career. It's an industry. Um, I think, by the way, to be a profession, there has to be a licensing agency, technically speaking, to say something is a profession. And so, therefore, just being in the strictest terms, we all know goddamn well there is no licensing body to give somebody a talk show. (laughs) That's for damn sure. But this next question makes me wonder about my life choices and whether or not I could be pursuing something a bit more meaningful.
1: Europe. Yeah, really, we we really want to win the game.
0: Yes. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. You personally want to win the game? The, listen to the badgering, where he had to finally say, "Yes, we want to win this game." What I asked you. Yeah, really, we we
1: really want to win the game. Yes. You yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You personally? Uh, yeah. It's Jim fucking Harbaugh. He's not an interloper from Texas who has no knowledge of the traditions and the history of the rivalry. He's a Michigan man through and through. And this dickwad asks him, "So, do you really? Do you guys really want to win this game?" The the game
1: unfold. I you? Yeah, really, we we really want to win the game.
0: Yes. You first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, this is where I think, I think once a year coaches should be able to legally attack one reporter who just says something either completely inflammatory or totally over the line and just give him 30 seconds to do his best. Like you get one a year, get a coupon and that would keep the media in check. Like, Oh shit. I don't want to ask that one question where he may just attack me. So I know he's only got one coupon. He's probably saving it for the last game of the year, so I'm going to make sure to come correct here. I don't want to piss him off too bad. Because wouldn't it be great if he could just say, that's it, and he pulls the coupon out of his pocket and goes flying over the podium, off the dais, knocking over microphones, knocking other reporters out of the way. Wouldn't be hard. Those guys would run like bitches <laughs> and then just give him 30 seconds. There's a referee standing over. Hold on. 25, 26, 27. Okay. All right. All right. Break them up. Break them up. There you go. Do you really want to win this game? Yes, asshole. I do. Pretty much
1: thoroughly went through you know, how I saw the, the game unfold. But I asked you. Yeah, really, we, we really want to win the game. Yes.
0: <laughs> <You person>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Meanwhile, Wisconsin beats Minnesota in the sleet and the freezing rain and then the snow in Minnesota where P.J. Fleck and the whole Row the Boat movement, Sky Ma, went down and went down hard. I don't have nearly as much of a hard-on, pardon the expression, for P.J. Fleck as my colleague and good friend, uh, 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 Brian Posick does on 97.3 the game, but I'm not close enough to it. You know, I, I, it's going to take me a while to really gin up this kind of hatred. But I understand they said during the pregame show when they were at, you know, uh, game day was up there. I guess the first time game day has ever been to Minnesota for a game, so this was big. And they were talking. They did features on, you know, when Fleck came to Minnesota. By the way, he had hair. Not much, but he had hair before he started taking it down to the wood. And they talked about how, you know what, they're going to mock this expression. They're going to mock the row of the boat, and it's just going to be the way it is. And he's an energy guy, and he is, you know, a guy who's just going to go rah, rah, rah. Well, Wisconsin was better because Paul Crist was better, because a power-running team like Wisconsin threw the ball in a tight game when the snow was starting to come down hardest because they said, oh, you think we can't throw? Watch this. And Quintes Cephas, you beautiful, beautiful, badass wide-receiving man, two incredible catches on the touchdown that really broke the game open. Now, afterwards, Wisconsin reclaimed the Paul Bunyan axe, and linebacker Chris Orr was asked, well, why would you guys do the mocking the row the boat thing at midfield? His answer, they disrespected the axe. Well, we just felt like they disrespected the axe
1: by renting out the people I'm um, having it, you know, any and everybody can touch
0: it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking wooden axe, man. Everybody can touch it. They're running it around to show all these people. It means more
1: than that. You know, people played this game for a very long time. It, it means more than
0: that. It's not a It, it means more than, more than that. <laughs> By the way, this is the same robbery where they used to play for a fake slab of bacon that was carved out of wood, and then Wisconsin won it, and then lost the thing for 50 years. Minnesota's like, "Hey, uh, do you have that bacon trophy? Cuz we might win it. We might win this game, you know, at some point." And Wisconsin's like, "Yeah, I don't know what happened to it." Then 50 years later it turned up in the closet of some, you know, athletic department employee and they just retired it, and they went on to this axe. The axe isn't even that old, but here is here is Chris Orr saying they disrespected the axe. This a little commodity or something that you can just rent out for for
1: money or whatever the case is, You're trying to make profit off of it. I feel like that was disrespectful. They didn't honor the players that come, came before. They <laughs> also lied and said uh, only the seniors can touch it. touch it. No, only the seniors chop. Oh, there it is. So we felt like it was disrespectful for
0: me to do that, so... There you go. Okay, there, there it is, disrespecting the X. Maybe he's right. Maybe I don't know the whole story of it. Maybe It sounded like you said they took it out to make money off it, where it's like, for $5, come swing the X. We're going to be at the Mall of America this coming Saturday. Yay. If so, I guess that would be a little bit wrong. Auburn beats, and by the way, the Badgers, are once again massive underdogs in the Big 10 championship game. I don't see how they cover the spread. I mean, Ohio State is just a flat-out killing machine. And so you're talking 17 and a half is the number. I don't see how the I don't see how Ohio State doesn't cover that number. I don't see how they don't roll it up 50 some 50 burger to 20 something burger and fries cover. I don't No offense Wisconsin, I'm just sorry, but Ohio State is out for blood right now. And then there was the Iron Bowl. Oh, my God. The Iron Bowl was crazy. Auburn beats Alabama 48-45 to 45 on a Trojan horse formation is, I guess, what they're calling it. But it goes something like this. You, you saw the game. I'm sure you know what happened. Basically, at the end of the game, Auburn sends out. They've got fourth and four. Uh, the clock is running. There's a minute and change. Saban burned one of his precious three timeouts early, which was a mistake by him. He's good. He's really he's the best there is in the game, but he, he makes mistakes. This was a big mistake. So uh, they would have had a minute and a half easily left in the game if they got the ball back. Instead, they only were going to get it back without a minute to go. And Auburn sends out a trick formation that caught – Alabama flat footed. Okay. So afterwards, and that the too many men on the field penalty caused the automatic first down, three knees, Auburn wins, tumors corner drenched in toilet paper. Okay. Got it. Uh, Alabama out of the playoff for the first time, almost certainly, almost certainly out of the playoff for the first time since they invented the playoff, what, eight years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, whatever the number is. Great prep work. Shut up. So. Here was Nick Saban afterwards about this little trick wrinkle in which Bo Nix stayed in the game at quarterback, but they subbed in punter Aaron Sipos, and he went out and lined up at wide receiver with the plan that they were going to motion Sipos back into the punt formation and go ahead and kick the ball away in case Alabama did not get tricked. They did get tricked. And so here was Nick Saban's thoughts on the play afterwards.
1: Uh, It was pretty unfair play at the end of the game. They substituted the punter as a wide receiver. Uh, So we put the punt team in. uh, And then when the quarterback was still in there, we tried to put the defense back in. Uh, I thought they should have given us a little more time to substitute and get Watto out as a returner. We get called for 12 guys on the field. So that was very disappointing. Uh, We're responsible for that as coaches. Uh, But it was a very unusual circumstance, uh, to say the least. And I think, you know, sometimes when you have those, that, you know, they should be viewed that
0: way. Nick, 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 Nick. Take the L, bro. Take the L and move on. Your coaching staff was not prepared for every possible externality. Not prepared for every possible wrinkle. Not intuitive enough to think, okay, fine. So, so what? So what? They got Bo Nicks out there. They're not fucking going for it on fourth and four down at their own 20. You kidding me? I want them to go for it on great. They're going for it. That's fantastic. Instead, he got tricked. So leave it at that. Of course, at the end of the first half, there was that extra one second that allowed Auburn to kick the field goal, which the way that was administered, I thought was total bullshit. But you don't want me to go on a rant about Insta Replay, do you? Because instant replay is perverting to the game to the point where you can say, hold on, let's review it. Oh, and now that we're reviewing it, we're going to give you time to get up there and signal the ball ready for play and make sure your kick team is on and do all these things that would have never, ever been allowed if the Fox that is instant replay was never allowed inside the hen house known as football games. But I, I digress. It is fun to see Nick Saban lose his cool to just have a meltdown where he's shaking with rage and his face is a bright yes crimson red it's so funny to see him the nictator losing his mind which he did at the end of the first half it reminds me of this great soundbite about when he was asked about the quarterback playing situation and nick saban on the sideline not a happy guy yeah i don't have that bite thought i put it in my rundown i did not Of course, you could look at it the other way. You can say, finally, overrated Alabama is out. They don't play anybody. Thank God. Okay. You can flip that around, and you can also say the following. Here's what it takes to beat Alabama. you got to catch them without quarterback one. He went to Oklahoma. Quarterback two, he's hurting out for the year, going to be a top pick in the NFL draft. Quarterback three is a guy that they never planned on being the future and is only working on two weeks of work to get ready for this game and played pretty damn well in this game. You got to get the Alabama to commit 13 penalties. That's the most ever under Nick Saban. You got to get two pick sixes, including a hundred yarder off the back of a guy. You got to get the refs to somehow give you a one second kick and a field goal at the end of the first half, which was very dubious at best. And you got to get a ball that goes off the upright And then run a trick play to get uh, the ability to take three knees. And, oh, by the way, you can do all this at home to win by three. That's it. Three points. Kind of shows you how good Alabama is that it takes that kind of confluence of events and factors to actually beat them. But Nick Saban, come on, man. Don't say that. And Nick Saban on the sideline, not a happy guy. Not a happy guy. And then there's Dabo Swinney. Or Sweeney I've legitimately heard it both ways Dabo is still swinging his sword hat tip to you Mike leach still swinging his sword regarding the committee regarding the poor Clemson Tigers two championships in the last three years working in on, on an undefeated run still not getting the respect he thinks they deserve how important is this game it's huge I mean I mean it's it's huge from an Oh, sorry. I found out something. I can't change the note on my Evernote that's playing sound out of it, which is actually very handy. Can't do that. How important
1: is this game? Sorry. It's huge. I mean, I mean, it's it's huge from a national standpoint because obviously, if we lose this game, I mean, they're gonna kick us out. They don't want us in there anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, we'd be we'd be we'd drop to twenty. You know, oh, I mean, Georgia boy. loses to this very same team, and the very next day, it's how do we keep Georgia in it? We win to the team that beat South Carolina, and it's we. How do we get Clemson out? It's the dadgum thing. So
0: dadgum big,
1: a Dad big game. You know they Dad can't gun-ist. vote us out. I mean we got to we got to go under. We got to go thirty and zero. I mean we <laughs> got no choice
0: because we don't play nobody. Oh Dabo, I I'm still pro Dabo, just like I'm pro Nick Saban. I'm pro Dabo, and he's not entirely wrong. And it's a matter of their conference is exceptionally weak and they're exceptionally strong. And so what are you going to do about it? I would not bet against Clemson. Well, I don't know who I'm betting on. I mean, Ohio state looks to me like legit stone cold killers, but we got a whole month until this playoff kicks off. And a lot of things can happen between now and then, or not a lot can happen because teams are prepping, but You know, things can settle, things can change, and you never know when they turn the switch back on how things are going to go. Okay, Uh, let me get to this. So, is that it for college football? I had some other notes. I'm looking at the clock here, and I do have to start wrapping this up. A couple of college football notes here as I uh, get to this. Come on, where are you? Okay, Uh, some good and some bad. Michigan State cornerback Josh Butler had an amazing senior night because Butler lost both of his parents during this season. And so instead of being arm-in-arm with his parents, who are now in heaven, he went out there to be awarded and honored and recognized with his two dogs at his side. Pretty amazing. Butler both lost his father to a heart attack in 2017, and his mother to breast cancer this year. So not both in one year, but still. Uh, he lost them both during his college career and never got that moment to walk out there in the field with mom and dad. Uh, was out there with his dogs, Roxy and Remy, and shared a head coach sp- shared a hug with head coach Mark D'Antonio before making his way out of the field. Good stuff. Best comeback moment. How about after a, a year after that terrible knee injury that nearly required amputation, Mackenzie Milton of UCF walked out for his senior honors with his family prior to kickoff. His knee is still jacked up beyond all belief, uh, but at least it's on his leg and he is working towards a comeback of semi-normalcy. I don't think he'll play football again, but amazing moment. Best visual of the weekend. How about the Auburn Moms getting stuck and swallowed by the hedges at Jordan-Hare Stadium? Nice. Nice. My wife is like, why do they have hedges there? And I go, honey, it's a southern thing. It's an SEC thing. I think most of the schools question SEC heads. How many SEC stadiums have hedges guarding the field? And Auburn has hedges. I mean, they've got a good eight-foot width of hedges that are very deep. And you saw the two Auburn moms trying to storm the field, getting swallowed up by the hedges. Classic. I think every um, – uh, Georgia has hedges between the hedges, right? That's what they say. Could be some others. Uh, best tweet from the weekend on the Michigan-Ohio State series. Busted coverage based in Cleveland. Obviously, Pro Buckeye tweeted, quote, just got home from Ann Arbor. Fans need to take a page from Ole Miss. Just concentrate on being a fun party school because the football thing isn't working out. Ooh, Sick. From Mecca Don on Twitter, when Shea Patterson transferred to Michigan and they lost their first game against Ohio State, they were saying, well, he's new, Harbaugh's new, give it some time. I could have sworn Justin Fields and Ryan Day are both uh, new. And they just put up 56 in a win. Could be wrong, though. Best jersey of the weekend, Joe Burrow coming out as Burrow. E-A-U-X in true Cajun style for his senior night. He did change out into the proper Joe Burrow jersey. I assume that'd be a penalty, a violation, a flag, if you went out in a jersey with your name purposely misspelled. Worse sportsmanship, and there was a lot of it this weekend, Iowa kicker Keith Duncan said, no bold for you, and taunted the Nebraska sideline after hitting the game-winning kick. Hey, Slapdick, you're the kicker. Enough already. I don't want a world in which kickers are running up and down, taunting other t- the other team's bench. Only if you're willing to go fight the other team as a kicker should you do that. Know your role, shut your mouth, high-five with team your team, and stop acting like you're a badass. Of course, that was not really the worst sportsmanship. There were several awful, disgusting incidents. Maybe the worst one was UNLV after they beat Nevada in overtime, 33-30, a brawl erupted in which you could see a UNLV UNLV player's helmet get ripped off as the fight moved towards the wall at the back of the end zone. The ADs at both schools said they're working uh, in a joint statement uh, sorting out exactly who was involved, everybody that was involved, because he was at Nevada where their stadium is really quite small for a D1 program, uh, that there wasn't a lot of good camera angles but they said they was even they were even going to work with the Nevada Police Department to review any actions that might warrant some police involvement. For that, I say, bravo. Until we start doing this, this shit's going to continue. Georgia wide receiver, George Pickens, ejected in the third quarter of Saturday's win over Georgia Tech for fighting. He took Trey Swilling by the face mask, dragged him over to the wall, and threw him right into the wall head first. Now, okay, part of me says, it's a pretty good WWE move. But then the responsible part of me says, hey, man, enough of this bullshit. He's going to be suspended uh, for the first half, I believe it is, uh, if not the entire game of the SEC championship game. He's a freshman. This kid Pickens, he's a good player. He's not their only weapon. They've got other injury problems at Georgia right now. But this is the kind of shit that has got – got to get our arms around this. And Kirk Herbstreet, to his credit – went out there on Twitter and said the following, quote, some of this taunting and fighting in college football the last couple of weeks are an embarrassment to the sport and the coaches that allow it. We need officials to take control of the game and draw a line. Players need to understand this is unacceptable, classless, and embarrassing. And I agree. Your Big Five championship games, Utah is minus five against Oregon that's on Friday night in the Pac-12 championship the basic shape of the race comes down to this assuming LSU can beat Georgia they're seven point favorites and Georgia has some injury and some suspension issues I alluded to there let's just assume that then it's obvious Ohio State we assume will beat Wisconsin and Clemson we hope will beat Virginia Not hope, but we assume. They're 28-and-a-half point favorites. Clemson over Virginia, and Ohio State is 17-and-a-half. If LSU wins, Georgia's out, that's easy. Bama's already out, that's easy. Utah, if they beat Oregon, will have finished with one loss, and they'd be a Big Five conference champ. Oklahoma, who plays Baylor Saturday at noon, if they win, they would be a conference champ, having beaten Baylor twice, the only team to beat Baylor this year. Those are your three teams that'd be you know fighting for it right there. Actually the, the two teams Utah and Oklahoma. What happens though if Baylor beats Oklahoma? And if Oregon beats Utah, let's see, two lost Baylor, two lost Minnesota, two lost Oklahoma, two lost Utah, two lost Alabama, two lost Georgia. Oh, snap, JR. That's Alabama's music. I can't believe they're bringing him back in the. I'm just saying. Stranger things have happened. Actually, Baylor would be one loss. Did I say Baylor two losses? Can you put Baylor in at one loss if they upset Oklahoma to make them a two loss team? I don't know. We're going to find out. Okay. Quickly before we end on. Something a little bit amusing. Joe Biden's run for president ended over the weekend. Or did it? A lot of people commenting, a lot of people sharing this utterly bizarro, out of the blue, what in the fuck is crazy Uncle Joe talking about clip in which he talks about having hairy legs when he was in the pool, when he was growing up. He I mean, might have been lifeguarding. Okay, here's Uncle Joe splaining it. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand, and it get hot.
1: I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight. And then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. And
0: I tell you what. Blink. 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 What? What in the hell? Now, I know it's it's glib to say his presidential run is over. He, by the way, is going to put a lot of effort, apparently, into Iowa because they vote first, and he is not doing well right there. He's polling fourth, I believe. 65 days away, 62 days away, something like that, until the actual primary in Iowa, or the caucus, the cauckeye. The Hawkeye, Hawkeye, and so Biden's got to really bear down and put his shoulder into it. I don't want to say it's over because it's too unpredictable. The 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 Democratic race for the nomination is going to be the wildest thing in my lifetime politically to watch. I'm I got my popcorn ready. I'm just sitting there going, oh, oh, interesting. So I won't rule anybody out. And let's also look back to when everyone thought for sure when the Trump grabbing by the pussy audio came out. That was it. People were tweeting, "By Felicia, left and right. And that should have been fatal. But it wasn't, somehow. So I'm not saying this is necessarily fatal. I'm not even saying this is the biggest Joe Biden gaffe. But what what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Your legs and kids and kids in my lap. All right, let's end on this. The hat and the actual baseball that Charlie Sheen wore and threw in the hit movie Major League can now be yours to own but you'll have to beat out everyone else for it in a Leland's House auction. Here was the scene in which Charlie Sheen's character, good old Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn, strikes out who? Clue Haywood. Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Heater. All these pitches to choose from.
1: Maybe we ought to try something different this time.
0: That heater from Ricky Vaughn hit 101 on the radar gun in the movie. Uh, Sheen says his actual fastball on the set clocked in at closer to 84, 85 miles an hour, which I would say shit, <laughs> even though he claims to have been a pretty good ball player back in high school. Charlie, uh, the bids on the cap so far—it's early, but the highest bid is at just under five grand. I haven't checked it lately. You can if you want. The ball has ten bids on it. And that's going for just under three grand. That to me is a a pretty cool collectible. It's one of the most infamous baseball hats in movie history. And if they can authenticate it and prove that it's really just it's his and it's not just some ratty old Indians hat, that's a hell of a collectible. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thanks so much. For listening, it was a fun solo romp on a Monday. I'm kind of liking my solo romps on Monday. I get to bring all the stuff I want to bring to the table, and then we'll start mixing in our guests this week, starting tomorrow. Tell a couple of friends. Rate and review. It helps with the algorithm. We're all slaves to the algorithm. Have a good Monday. It is December, everybody. Tis the most wonderful time of the year. The holidays are upon us. My lights are up on my house. I couldn't be happier to thank you to brother-in-law Todd, who held the ladder and worked at a union pace, I might add, but he still helped me get it done on Saturday. Thanks for listening. Have a good Monday, and we will see you next time.